and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Jeremy, are you there? Yes, sir. Okay, there we go. Uh, welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hey, thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Um, I was just looking at the uh, the website conquerseries.com. After we come back from the uh, the break in about twenty five minutes, here we're gonna we're gonna play that trailer for folks. Um, and okay. Folks, again, go to conquerseries.com. Um, yeah, it's great to have Thank you back you. on. Where do you want to Where do you want to start tonight? Um, you know, I'm up for anything. We can talk about what's happening in the church today with pornography and, uh, really how do guys, how do they uh, wind up in bondage to pornography? Because the church has the opinion that they just have a moral problem and if they read their Bible more and did all the church things more, they would, uh, they wouldn't have this issue, but it goes much deeper than that. So perhaps. Yeah. Uh, well, well, let's start there. Um, it, it obviously is a is a huge problem that um, you know most won't admit that that they have. Uh, some people have uh, addictions. Other people will view it uh, less casually, I guess. Uh, but there is a, a, obviously it's not going away, meaning that uh, the supply is is continuing to to be there and to increase because the, the demand continues to be on the increase. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And yeah. we have the access, uh, you know, from the Internet and, and everything that connects to the Internet, from smartphones to tablets. Uh, it's mobile now. Um, yeah. So how has... It's only going to get worse. <laughs> yeah. So how has this... How have we allowed the church to be infiltrated by pornography? Well, it's the one thing the church has not... They've, they haven't put any program in place to help guys who are struggling. Um, so that has really set up guys in church in a way that, because um, everyone at some point in their life is going to be exposed to it. So the church should be giving them the toll so that when that exposure happens, they have a way to deal with it. And um, that happens usually at an early age, seven, eight, nine, ten years old is, Around the time of first exposure, so you've got to start at that age, and and um, you know the church hasn't done that. So now we're left with guys in their 30s and 50s and 70s who are addicted to pornography, and we've got to get them help as well. Well, Jeremy, let me ask you this: the um, mm-hmm. you know we have a lot of guests on, some pastors, um, many of, of the guests, whether they're um, they attend church on a regular basis or not are, are Christian. Um, and we hear a lot, and I've experienced this a lot in churches, that, you know, we have um, a new kind of pastor out there where they don't really, they don't preach the whole message of the gospel, meaning they will preach the love, they'll preach the, you know, uh, turn the other cheek. But 
there, it comes to a, a, a gray area when you get into the preaching against sin and the conviction of sin. Is mm-hmm. some of the one of the reasons that pornography is so prevalent in the churches is because of the lack of the uh, the preaching of sin and the conviction there? Uh, to be honest, not really. Okay. Uh, and the reason is is not because these guys aren't convicted enough. The reason is because it's a brain problem. And what I mean by that is they found something to medicate the pain in their life. And they know it's wrong. They know that, that morally they're making a bad decision. But they continue to go back and they drink that poison over and over again because they're finding a way to medicate the pain in their life. And, you know, they can be under the, the greatest pastor in the world. And if they don't get down to the root of why they're medicating this worthlessness that's deep down in their soul, that they don't have the help of other men around them to, to get down to that, then everything, all the messages that they're receiving on the surface aren't hitting that pay dirt. They're not dealing with the root problem. And um, I know that that requires the paradigm shift in our thinking to see it from that perspective. And that's what we're really up against with the church. Because, look, I'm all for what preachers have got to teach from the pulpit. They've got to teach biblical principles and values, and they've got to, they've got to, there's got to be a convicting message. And that's important as well. So you can't just have guys who are struggling with this under the leadership of, of wimps in the pulpit. Um, but more than that, they have, they've got to find others, they've got to bring others around them that really know how to get down to the core issue for why they're medicating this worthlessness that's deep down in their soul with pornography. Okay. Does that and, make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and you um, mentioned that this is a, a brain issue, this is a psychological issue, to the point where um, people get consumed by it and then it becomes part of their regular behavior. Uh, how, how can we, uh, yeah. I guess, deprogram our brain uh, to to move away from this? Well, what ha- what happens is, you know, it's sexual bondage. It's not pr- primarily a moral problem, although it does have moral implications. It's primarily a brain problem, which is why the scripture tells us to take every thought captured to the obedience, obedience of Christ. Um, so many people ask, is it bondage or is it sin? And answer to the question is yes, it's both. And in James one fourteen it tells us that each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And what James is telling us is that he's giving us a word picture. That word enticed is very powerful. And what he means by that it, it, it's a baited hook. In other words, God's telling us, don't go here or the enemy is going to get a hook in your soul, right in your brain. So it starts off as a moral decision. I'm going to go here and ignore what God says. Then you latch on to this baited hook, which sinks deep down into your into your brain, in your soul. Um, then, then the next verse in 15, it says, After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now it's become a pre-programmed pattern in your soul. It's become a full-fledged addiction. 
didn't start off like that. Started off as, well, let me just go here, and I know I'm not supposed to do this. It becomes a baited hook. You latch on. Eventually, it becomes an addiction. So, it's really important that men understand that uh, the enemy is setting him up. <laughs> this is it's an incredible, incredible, masterful plan by the enemy to use pornography because God's given us a brain that uh, is a sexual brain and it's meant to latch and, and cleave to our spouse and here we are abusing this beautiful gift that God's given us and we're cleaving and latching to to uh, synthetic images that are meaningless yeah and you know it's um what's really frightening to think about is uh like I guess you'd call it or the recent trend where even you know on drudge um uh, a few times a week now I see reports where uh, life like uh sex dolls and uh, mm-hmm. you know like the artificial intelligence um industry is 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 getting on board with this and they are really uh, commercializing this and obviously if you don't have a biblical foundation and belief system uh, I guess it might not be an issue morally for a lot of people uh, um, especially yeah. in, in terms of religion but uh, if we can a little bit get into how why is it so easy um, for people who are Christians to to fall into this destructive pattern of behavior um, or is it just like uh, any other addiction, alcoholism or, uh, you know, drug addiction? It's just something that is done at first, uh, and, and the person likes the way it, it makes them feel, so they continue to do it until it becomes, um, you know, a, a pattern in their behavior. Yeah, well, the reason that it's easy is because there's so much brokenness in the church. And when I talk about this, it, it always comes across as, as psychobabble. But there's biblical foundations to this. And um, I can talk about that on the show as well. But um, there's so much brokenness in human beings. So every addiction is really about how that person has learned to medicate this pain in their life. And I'm not talking about surface pain. I'm not talking about something that just happened recently. Maybe you got in a fight with someone or, you know, things aren't going going the right way at work. I'm talking about the deep down-seated pain that's in your soul, that you, these messages that you learn from early childhood, they become planted in your subconscious as you're growing up. In those first six years of your life are the most important. That's when the brain is like wet cement. And if you have deep trauma uh, at that age, it can be in the form of parents, maybe your parents get divorced or a parent dies, sexual abuse, maybe you're just neglecting the family. Maybe dad's there, but he's not really there. Um, there's all there's sorts of trauma from extreme to mild, and depending on the person, the mild trauma might be extreme. But we that trauma becomes deeply embedded in that person's soul at an early age and um, <clears throat> the brain is forming those first six years as the, as the brain is forming 
uh, like I said, it's wet cement. And those first six years are the most crucial because it's, you're basically forming your operating system that you'll operate from for the rest of your life. It's sort of like the template that you're going to use to operate from. So if you, if you grow up those first six years and you're in a very stressful house and you experience a lot of anger and outrage and, and maybe physical abuse or emotional abuse, likely, like 99% chance, you're going to have the profile of someone who's very anxious and on edge for the rest of your life. And you, you were never taught conflict resolution, so you're likely going to have uh, you'll be very reactive in your relationships. So behind all of that, there's a message that's deeply ingrained in our thinking, which is, why is all this happening in my house? Why can't people just get along? Maybe there's something wrong with me. Or I could be a better person. Or, you know, there's just something wrong with me. I'm worthless. And that's what comes out of living in that type of environment and you carry that belief about yourself it's a deep lie that the enemy instills in you and now you're going to carry that belief with you throughout your life and you find ways to medicate it and and how does the enemy work he finds the point of our pain and then he gives us a means to medicate that pain so he's out there scouring families and he's watching dysfunction in families and he's giving these young children means to medicate the pain in their lives through pornography and drugs and alcohol and you know all sorts of all sorts of ways and um, pornography I believe is probably the biggest and it's the most difficult to treat because it's a hidden the hidden addiction you can be a Harvard professor or a you know, a guy off the streets and you could struggle with pornography and no one can tell the difference. You just don't know who's struggling with it. You could be a pastor of a mega church or someone who just attends service on Sundays and you both struggle with pornography. When I say struggle, I should say addiction. You both have an addiction to pornography. So it doesn't have, you're not going to have marks on your arm like you would with, with a heroin addiction. Um, that's the part of that addiction that's very dangerous because you've learned to live this lie that I am this person on the outside, that this is how I live my life on the out, on the inside. And this is a big reason for the ineffectiveness uh, that we see among men in church today. That's why there's just not a, a this fire that we're, that we'd like to see because guys are just they've become complacent from the use of or the addiction to pornography it's quite scary the church doesn't get it you're right um, do you think it would be beneficial to uh, congregants of different churches to to maybe um, talk to their pastors or, or the church leadership to start oh yeah um, some some type of groups um and do you yeah, think that most there would be do you think that there would be a reluctance of people wanting to for reasons of shame, I guess, for wanting to wanting to come forward and um what would you advise people to do in their own yeah. churches to be able to help <clears throat> others dealing with this? It's actually a mix because 
uh, we've seen now 450,000, over 450,000 men who have gone through the Conquer Series, and they've done it at their local church. Our goal is to hit a million. Uh, we've, we're almost halfway there. And if you were to ask me that in the beginning, are men really going to show up into a Conquer group and, and uh, talk about their porn problem? As I was making the Conquer Series, I would have said, no way. <laughs> but I knew God put it on my heart to make this film series, so I did it. Uh, but I didn't think anyone was going to show up to watch it, to be honest. Um, but what we're seeing is it's a mix. Some guys are too filled with shame to deal with it, and they haven't hit rock bottom yet, so they really aren't at the place to deal with it. you got to get to the place that it doesn't matter. I'm going to get free and nothing's going to stop me from getting there. That's the place you got to be at. you got to attack this this issue head on. And then we see other guys who are just, man, I've been living with this for 20, 30, 40 years. Some guys in their 60s and 70s are saying enough is enough. I've been looking for this for my entire life. And so they're the first mention that this was available. They were signing up. We've had, in some places, hundreds of men Two, three hundred men have signed up in their church to be part of the Conquer series. So, and it, it does have a lot to do That's with great. leadership as well. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I got to commend you. You know, um, not a lot of people, uh, for obvious reasons, as we just talked about, will want to get into this, whether they had have a problem, whether whether they had a problem. And I've talked to to people, um, you know, listeners and other people that. Uh, have dealt, dealt with this issue and, and, you know, just, um, I did say heartbroken, uh, it, it, just as bad as, as any, uh, drug addiction. You know, they, they did not want yep. to, to continue this behavior at all, yet felt hopeless, um, in trying to, in trying to stop. And when dealing with issues like these, it is very important to have a support structure in place, uh, whether that be friends or a support group. But people that you can uh, open up to and be able to have a dialogue about your problems um, and what you're going through, because a lot of people uh, go through similar emotions and, and issues, um, and yep. having that, that that ability to for fellowship and communication is a, is a big part of the problem because uh, we don't right. have that today. And I think it's uh, important that people understand that um, being uncomfortable or uh, dealing with that little bit of shame and, and what you feel is the shame or embarrassment is microscopic mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, <clears throat> continuing the destructive uh, behaviors. Yep. Yeah, dealing with that shame is tough, um, especially for the men who are in leadership at church. They just don't feel like they can come out. Well, maybe they're a leader in their community or, you know, maybe, yeah, so for those folks, it's very difficult to talk about the problem. Um, but they've got to go to some someone that they can trust that they can talk to. Otherwise, they're just, it's not going to get any better. But guys don't conquer this by themselves. That's one of the lies of the pornography said. Uh, this, one lie is that was the last time. I'll never do it again. Guys tell themselves that thousands and thousands of times. And the second lie is, I can fix it myself. And mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. You just can't. 
takes yeah. the accountability of other men. Yes, it does, and it's um, you know, we have uh, uh, especially in this country, there there is a. I don't know what you'd call it, and I'm sure there's there's a word for it. I can't. Uh, I'm drawing a blank in my mind, but it's ego. Uh, and then there's you know something about being a man, where as you said, you know people are too feel oh I'm too manly. I can do this on my own. I don't need help. Uh, so there's the ego and that the issue of pride that people have. Um, but well, as they say, pride comes before the fall, and uh, I imagine this is a much more widespread problem. Than most people realize, and it's something yeah. that um, you know we're we're coming up against the break here in a few minutes. But I know we were going to branch off into some other areas of conversation tonight. Um, the mm-hmm. pedophilia, uh, the you know the international <clears throat> global elitist yeah. child trafficking and pedophilia ring. Um, how does the observing and watching pornography desensitize people, or even uh, draw people into the world of pedophilia? And is there a connection? Well, yeah, there is a connection. And I could go back and talk about the history of that, if you want me to, with Alfred Kinsey and the sexual revolution. It's kind of fascinating. but uh, Yeah, a little for bit. Some guys, that. Yeah, for some guys, it's just escalation. They, they're looking, they start off, off with uh, maybe rated R movies. It moves into softcore pornography. It moves into pornography. Um, moves into voyeurism and other types of things, and it leads up, they're in jail. <laughs> they're doing things that they could never believe that they did. And um, for, for some of these people, uh, what happens is at a young age, when you're uh, maybe sexually active with um, someone that's, that's your same age, maybe 10, 12 years old, you've imprinted onto that age group and now as you grow up, your, um, what's the word, your uh, sexual template is aimed towards that age group, and it's never matured past that. And now you find yourself yourself in your 20s and 30s and 40s, and you're still, you still gravitate towards 10- and 12-year-olds. So, and a lot of times, I'd say 90% of the time, we find that those people were also sexually abused in their past. And um, that's where it goes back to wounds, man. It just a lot of this is is based on the wounds of their past and the lies that come from those wounds that tell us who we are. And, yeah, uh, and, and that seems to be the uh, the, um, the the status or the standard when dealing with uh, you know from childhood tragedies and and. Uh, things that people mm-hmm. suffer as, as children, whether it's sexual trauma or other types of abuse, it always seems to bring up issues um, that lead to these destructive patterns of behavior. Folks, we're talking with Jeremy Wiles. Uh, go to the website, conquerseries.com. When we come back right from the break, we're going to play the trailer um, to the latest uh, uh, film. Uh, Jeremy Wiles is our guest. Don't go anywhere. He'll be with us for another segment. Stay tuned.
Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood.
church is in the sexual battle of its life. You take it just a standard cookie cutter Christian, don't do this, don't do that, it won't work. It's going to really sweep through the church like a tsunami wave of destruction in the family. I had wanted to fly a jet aircraft since I was four years old. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Hey. And so it was all I was living for. You don't think you're a hot shot? You will last 10 seconds in combat. You know how to fly, but you don't know how to fight. You have to understand how the enemy is personally bushwhacking you. Alpha Bravo, this is an ambush. I'm rolling. I was an alcoholic. I was a sex addict. I was completely out of control. Like I had a rope around my leg, they have a noose around their soul. And the harder they pull against it, the worse it gets. That's why trying harder doesn't work. You have to know your enemy if you're going to win. He's not just going to go away. Just the power of sexual bondage. It promises you everything, gives you absolutely nothing. It feels as if there's no hope you're never getting out of this. But the shed blood of Jesus Christ guarantees there's a way out. God guarantees you. His word is very clear. The curse will be visited the third or fourth generation. We will create trails in our brain that are just going to fire on an automatic sequence. You're fighting for the very lineage that God gave you. What a man does in life becomes history. Well, what he puts into motion becomes his legacy. And if you will break this curse, then your sons and your daughters have a better shot. It took me three and a half years. But I'll tell you now, you know what I'm having the joy of? is sweet revenge. The very thing the enemy used against me as a weapon, now God is forged by the hammer of his adversity that he's brought in my life, by the hammer of his challenges, by the correction of my soul, and he's formed it into a weapon, and I'm taking sweet revenge against the enemy. And that's what God has for you. that you can conquer and begin to help other men. I believe in you, Roberts. And folks, and folks, and folks, hello, hello, and folks watching live on YouTube or listening on Global Star Radio Network, that was the trailer for the film Conquer series, The Battle Plan for Purity. Um, and, Joining us is the creator of that film, Jeremy Wiles. Jeremy, can you uh, tell people where to go uh, to get the film? Yeah, it's just uh, our website is conquerseries.com, conquerseries.com. Okay. And that's uh, available now? Yes, it's available now. It's a six-disc DVD set, and um, it's used in small groups in churches uh, all across the country. Excellent, uh, and yeah, I urge people if you're gonna um, if you're gonna purchase uh, the DVD that you would share it with those of you in, in your congregation and in your church. Um, mm-hmm. It can be a, a fantastic tool, um, you know that that can change a whole congregation. And you know, when watching that um, and listening to that trailer, um, there were some great points made. Uh, the rope, the guy said, said the rope tied around his ankle. And he likened those yeah. who are addicted to pornography as having a rope tied around their soul. And that's, that's, uh, uh very true. 
and it is a uh, like anything else it's a it's a battle it, it's a struggle a day-to-day battle something that you need to keep on top of and uh, uh mr wiles is offering um some insight and some tools to help you to be able to do that so i hope people take advantage of that um where do you want to go from here jeremy um, you know, I think something really important that, that guys understand is that this is a battle that takes place in the brain. And uh, in First Corinthians chapter six eighteen, it says, "Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body." And for years, I wondered what in the world did that mean? How do you sin against your own body? But now. Through working on the Cocker series and studying the brain, I realized that when you sin sexually, you're actually sinning against your brain. The brain begins to mold and uh, take shape uh, through that stimulus from pornography. You know, the brain is, is like an internal pharmacy. It's open 24 hours a day, and when you have a sexual release, it receives the highest level of endorphins and ecephalin. It's four times more powerful than morphine. The brain has these brain cells that hook up to other brain cells called synapses. And when those synapses are used a lot, they strengthen and grow. And we can look at brain imaging um, of maybe like a violinist, and we can see that that part of the brain where their fingers are moving becomes thicker and stronger. They're actually developing new synapses, and those neural pathways are strengthening as they practice more and focus on the task of becoming a great violinist. And this is also what happens when someone becomes hooked on pornography. The brain, the brain begins to mold in response to those images. So imagine like walking through a path in a field. The more we walk down that path, the easier it becomes. And so what the, what the enemy wants to do is to take our brain hostage. And he does that through what we call limbic lies. And uh, first let me tell you, if I could, uh, two important parts of the brain. One is the prefrontal cortex, and the other is the limbic system. The prefrontal cortex is where you make moral decisions and higher reasoning. It's your moral decision maker. It's your brakes. The limbic system is designed to help you survive. It's also the emotional brain. So sexual bondage is in the limbic system. That's where healing takes place. The prefrontal cortex is the braking system for the brain. It helps you to say no to things that aren't good for you. And that part of the brain, the part of the brain that helps you say no, is not fully developed until you're age 25, which is a big reason that insurance companies uh, don't let you rent a car until you're 26. Uh, so children who discover porn, say at like 10, 11 years old, they physically don't have the wiring in their brain to say no. They don't have the wiring. That's why you don't just give your let your kids do anything that they want. Uh, if, they, if you did, they'd sit around and eat candy all day. They don't have the emotional wiring to make those good decisions. So when people become addicted to something, they actually develop an emotional attachment to that substance, which that happens in the limbic brain. So how does the enemy set someone up to become addicted to porn? Well, the overwhelming majority of men who are addicted to porn have deep wounds from their past. And that isn't just psychobabble, and I, I can tell you why in a second. Um, 
the Conquer series, we talk about the big T and the little T, which is big trauma and little trauma. Big trauma could be your parents' divorce, uh, maybe a parent died, there was an accident, um, sexual abuse. Little trauma many times comes in the form of like neglect. Dad was there, but he really wasn't there. Emotional abuse, maybe rejection. So take, for example, um, we've got this guy, his name's Joe, at, at, at 10 years old. He's 10 years old. Um, his home is hectic. It's, it's very hectic. His parents divorced uh, when he was 10 years old. And he stumbles across porn on his mother's computer or maybe her phone. Immediately, endorphins rush through his brain. His conscious, which is his prefrontal cortex, is telling him, you shouldn't be doing this. But the rush is too high and strong for his underdeveloped prefrontal cortex. So he, there he is, he's drinking this poison, and he, he finds himself returning to this deadly concoction many times uh, down the road. And the hook is beginning to set in. He's being dragged away, as Scripture tells us, being dragged away by his own evil desire and his height with that baited hook just like James is telling him. But soon, it's going to lead to death, just like James said. When he said, uh, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. So here's Joe, he's now 30 years old, he's a family man, he attends church regularly, but he's been battling with pornography for a really long time. And uh, maybe one day he has a fight with his wife. What does he do? He goes to what he learned made him feel good. At 10 years old, when his house was divided and he was battling with depression, he goes back to pornography and he binges maybe for a day or, or maybe a few days, maybe a week or a month, and he absolutely feels disgusted with his behavior, so he begins to purge. And this has been a cycle for Joe for the past 20 years, binge and purge, binge and purge. He feels bad, he binges on porn, and he stops for a while, but Shane steps back in, so he goes back to porn. He binges and he purges. So maybe Joe has stress at work. What does he do? Goes to porn. Joe feels like a failure. He goes to porn. What the church has to start to do is you have to get down to the driving behavior. It's the wounds from his past. Joe must go back and deal with this original wound. That's where the enemy is setting him up. And many men in church today, they're blaming um attractive, maybe they saw an attractive woman, or maybe someone in church is wearing a revealing outfit. But it's not someone else's fault, or is it stress to blame either? It's, in Joe's situation, it's how he learned to medicate the pain in his life. And he's totally at fault for it. He is living in sin. Remember I said, that bondage takes place in the limbic part of your brain, which is your survival brain. It's where emotions reside. So Joe was wounded when his parents divorced. And right there was a limbic lie that Satan inserted at the point of that wound. And there's a message behind that wound of losing his parents through divorce. That message is, what's wrong with me? Or maybe I'm not good enough. And it's different for different people. And this is where Joe is going to have to focus his efforts, and maybe he's going to need the help of other men or a counselor. He's going to have to dig down 
and discover what's that driving, what's driving that behavior. And it's going to take focus, sustained focus over a long period of time to begin to counteract that limbic lie and renew his brain. Uh, you know, God's not the architect of our pain. He doesn't cause it, but he'll use it for his glory. And after Joe spends months going through the Cocker series and discovering that God's grace, grace is sufficient for his weakness, new neural pathways begin to form in Joe's brain. And in 90 days, he's no longer watching porn. And that's what we're seeing with guys that go on through the Cocker series. 90 to, so three to four months, they're coming off pornography. And they may have some relapses down the road, but uh, then their addiction is not like what it used to be. Uh, so he's out of the dark. Maybe it's been two to five years. He, he, he actually, he, this is a two to five year process. So what we do is we recommend that guys move into a longer term process once they move through the Conquer series. It's called Seven Pillars of Freedom um, and remain an accountability group for a few years. But there's a huge difference in someone's life who goes through this. They're going to find that they don't just stop watching porn. They're going to be more loving to their wife and be a better father, more active in their church and community, uh, probably a better tither at their church. I know pastors want to preach on uh, how to become financially free. And, man, I'm, not, I'm all for that. I don't have any debt. But if you want guys to tithe more, help them to overcome this sexual brokenness in their life. And you'll see that they'll, they'll, they'll start to give. Uh, so I hope I'm not talking too much. I'm just passionate about helping these guys. And, and uh, I feel like this is a true and uh, simple method. It's, it's not easy, but the, the principles are there. And um, we're trying to, you know, get churches to understand the root of this problem it is not about uh, behavior modification it's about heart transformation and so often in the past churches have focused on behavior modification just stop it don't do that anymore go read your bible go pray more and those things are important but you got to start to transform the heart and uh, that that's a process that takes time a long-term process yeah, and you know, you mentioned um, you mentioned how people will blame um, things that trigger them. Well, you mentioned uh, you know someone with a uh, revealing outfit, or they see something on TV or in a movie that you know uh, brings their brain right back to that spot where they don't want to be. And you can't blame the triggers uh, for your behavior because I'd be like an, an alcoholic. Um, Seeing a movie, seeing someone, you know, taking a, 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 drinking a beer while they're in the movie theater and they see on the screen somebody drinking a beer and then turning around themselves and, and going and drinking and blaming, uh, you know, yep. what they saw on TV for, uh, the reason that they, you know, fell off the wagon. So we need to, exactly again, right. you need to be mindful of this and, and, um, you know, the, the Conquer series looks like a, a fantastic tool. Absolutely a great start full of information, um, you know, to, to put, put you on the right track. But, um, you know, as we said before, it's gonna, it's a battle that each and every day you'll have to deal with. And 
only the only way you'll continue to get stronger is by confronting those triggers and and not uh allowing those yep. things to to pull you back in and the more victories you have uh in dealing with that the stronger you will be in the long run that's right and and you know the the enemy is not relenting right. he's moving from old fashioned porn magazines from the 1960s 70s and 80s to internet pornography and the next wave that we're going to see is is uh, VR, virtual reality porn. You're going to wear a headset, and she's going to be standing in front of you. And if you don't think that that's not going to do something to a young person's brain, you got to be kidding me. I mean, what's coming down the road? The church has got to wake up and take notice because and this is this is an all-out war, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shouldn't stop at anything. First, we got to give, we got to offer help to guys who are addicted to this. There's got to be programs in every single church in the country, and even if you're not dealing with it, and help other guys out. Get the Conquer series in your church. I'm not saying that to, to sell DVD sets. I want to help men. If you can find another program to help them, do it. Do something to help these guys. Um, eventually, what I'd like to see is pornography banned in the United States. And I know some people argue that this is a freedom of speech, but it has nothing to do with freedom of speech. Our country was not built on the premise that we could spread pornography across our country. This is destroying the lives of young people, of men, of families. We're seeing marriages. We're seeing the crumble of the family unit because of pornography. And um, it's a greater threat than any outside force right now. We're being attacked from within. 56% of divorce cases cite one of the reasons for the breakup being pornography. 68% of men in church are addicts to pornography. 50 to 54% of pastors admit to struggling with pornography on a regular basis. If that's not an epidemic, I don't know what is. You're right. Um, and Jeremy, you mentioned, uh, you know, how it affects and can affect your marriage and, and, uh, and other areas. Well, how else does the, uh, addiction to pornography affect people, um, even outside of their marriages or, or sexual relationships? Does it, uh, make them more susceptible to, other immoral or unethical behaviors? Uh, what are some of the other things you've seen associated well, yeah, with it, it, it usually escalates. So what we see are guys that are moving from pornography into affairs, multiple affairs. Um, and the ramifications of all this is you, it's just like James told us. It leads to death. And it's not just a physical death. I and mean, it can be through STDs that you get cheating on your wife, you, you sleep on prostitutes, whatever. But it can also mean things around you start to die. Maybe you lose your job. You get fired at the church. Um, you know, your relationships start to break down. And what we're seeing, and I'm not making this stuff up. This is incredible. I get so excited when I talk about it. Because what we're seeing, we're seeing marriages renewed. We're seeing fathers who are now getting back in touch with their sons because they had broken relationships in the past. Now they're being reunited with their family. We're seeing men who are getting pay raises 
because they have more focus and uh, determination at work, and their productivity is through the roof. And this is, so guys think, okay, if I can just go through this process and just stop watching porn, then, man, I want. No, no, no. You're going to get so much more than that. You're going to see a life change. And uh, I lead guys through this process, and they come out the other end, and they're just stunned at what has happened in their life. They're not just free from porn. They're happier. Man, if anything, you're happier. <laughs> the chains have been set free. God's grace is sufficient for your weakness. And so don't believe in this lie that, well, I'm just a little bit different. I, I don't know if I can ever be free from this. No. His grace was made for your puny weakness. Not to be insulting, but he, he is, it, it is made perfect for your weakness. And he wants to see men set free. So, and just take that first step. Start moving in that direction, and you're going to see God. He's going to meet you there. Absolutely. Uh, and, and you've had a lot of uh, success stories um, with people who have uh, viewed your movie and, and, and were uh, they put them on the right track. We do. We get... Um, We've got a box full of hundreds, and maybe it's up over a thousand letters now. We get emails every day from people who write us and tell us. Um, actually, I've got one here sitting right in front of me. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll read it. Sure. It says, in 2014, she, this is wife, discovered the devastating news that I was living another life having affairs with multiple women. The damage was catastrophic and still felt today. I was connected with a pastor who counseled me and introduced me to the Conquer series. It was not until this point that I really began to walk. I really began my walk with Christ. It was not until I was completely broken and shattered and realized the grips that hell had on my life and the bondage that sexual sin had on my very soul that I surrendered. Looking back at my life, this series helped me to see where I was getting in and the enemy was taking over. I had been a behind-the-scenes spokesperson for this series to everyone I knew struggled in bondage. And uh, we, we we get those letters all the time. And I think the Conquer series is now in maybe 150-plus prisons across the country. Um, so we're, we get a lot of letters from prisoners as well. Yeah, that's, that's interesting uh, from the... Uh from prisoners, um, I, I didn't think about that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, when you think of prison, you don't think of, of pornography. At least I don't. But you know, in this new uh, technological age we're in, and you know, um, all the other ways that prisoners can sneak drugs and other things into uh, where they're incarcerated, I guess it's not out of the question that you'd have yeah. that same issue in prisons. Yeah, it's rampant in prison, and, and uh, even if guys don't have it, they, they still have access to those images in their brain. They're embedded in their brain until it's renewed. Um, yeah. And so We only have about a minute and a half left, Jeremy. I didn't mean to cut you mm-hmm. off. The, about the no images problem. in the brain, um, is is that something that uh, you found that people who, who break free of this addiction, that, that gradually goes away, or is that something that they people always deal with? Those, those images? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. It doesn't have the sting that it used to. And uh, 
Bible tells us to take every thought capture. So what guys learn to do is that as those images begin to appear in your brain, you take them capture to the obedience of Christ. And they just don't have the power over you like they used to. I don't believe that Jesus died on the cross for you to be labeled as an addict for the rest of your life. I believe that there's true freedom. And I know that some would say, well, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once an addict, always an addict. And I just don't believe that Jesus' death on the cross leaves you with that label. So um, I don't think you have to struggle for the rest of your life. Now, that's a place that the enemy can uh, attack, and he can he can certainly bring you back to those images quickly, but there's got to be a willingness, and you've got to let, have let your sword uh, uh, become un, unsharpened, and it's important that you always keep that sword sharpened for the rest of your life. Absolutely right. Uh, Jeremy, we've reached um, the end of, of our time together. Uh, again, the website is conquerseries.com. The uh, five DVD set is Conquer Series, The Battle Plan for Purity. And again, that's conquerseries.com. Jeremy Wiles is our guest. Thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight, Jeremy. And you keep up the good work, and we look forward to talking with you here in the near future. Hey, thank you so much. And I really appreciate you guys taking time to talk about such an important subject. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Folks, we'll be right back after these short messages. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Don't go anywhere. Go to HagmanReport.com, click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, 6 AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke 
hopeless, fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an MOK. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. This edition of the Hagman Hagman Report. Again, like an O.J. Simpson commercial. Remember those commercials? Running over the luggage. I wait to the last minute. Doug Hagman, Joe Hagman, together we are the Hagman and Hagman Report. I want to thank each and every one of you for, for joining us. Thank you for your belief and your trust in us. Wow. A lot of news. A lot of news. A lot of news. You know, um, a lot of things taking place right now. And one of my questions, Joe and I have been talking and trying to triage the news. But even more than that, here's the thing. Trying to determine, well, dig well below the surface of the news. You see things going on, I mean, regardless, whether it's domestic, geopolitical, economic, Everything appears to be multi-level, multi-layered. And, and we're being lied to at every turn. So what do you do? Do you trust us to look and analyze news reports? No. I mean, you could, but that's really not everything. So you dig. We dig. But more importantly, we find people who have done the research and have done investigations and have their contacts and, and, and their investigative work product that, that stands alone in this sea of headlines. Our guest, DJ Welsh, level9news.com, is one of those people. Now, you might remember, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, she was on our program during right during that time of Jade Helm. Remember Jade Helm? Oh, my goodness, that seems like a lifetime ago. Everyone was talking about it. And, oh, it could be this mass takeover and all kinds of stuff. And then after it was over, did you notice how everyone said, oh, well, that was nothing? 
Well, that was a whole lot of the dollars spent for what? For nothing? One of the very few people who looked at this, in my view, intellectually, and who really dug down and did the research was DJ Welch from Level Nine, Level Nine News. Com. They've got a great subscription service for news. It's very inexpensive. It's a buck ninety nine a month, eleven months for the price of twelve. I mean, it's or twelve months for the price of eleven. Yeah, level nine news yeah. com. Yeah, how would you like to do that? A funny story, and and I don't know if DJ caught this earlier, but um, John sent me the, her contact info and said, give her a call at three o'clock. Uh, so I was in the car on the way here, and I, I read the text wrong. Instead of DJ uh, Welsh, I, I thought it said Dr. Walsh. So when I called, I said, hello, Dr. Walsh. She said, huh? Who? <laughs> it was so funny, and I didn't get a chance to uh, to apologize for that. Well, but no, it's, She uh, could be a doctor. I mean, you know, in terms of that level. PhD. No, but it was just it was just funny because after I got off the phone, I looked at my text again. I said, "Oh man, I screwed that one up pretty good." Well, but um, you no. and I do that. I mean, you know what? You do that a lot less than I do. So, level nine news dot com yeah. is the website. Uh, welcome back to the show. Yeah. Oh, thank you for having me. No, I'll tell you something. It, it your investigative work product. I, I I love to to read, to view, to to, to do, you dig deep. And one of the things that you were talking about, and folks, tonight we're going to be talking about the the levels deeper than you may have ever thought of going. You know, the mark of the beast, it's not what you think it is. It's one thing, tech addiction. It's a growing affliction around the world. And artificial intelligence being used, well, it's being being used to usher in an ancient malevolent intelligence. And And I found it. One document that um, DJ's website led me to, Human Systems Roadmap Review, a very interesting document about, uh, it's a Pentagon document, um, Defense Department, that is. And it's very interesting. It, it, it goes levels deep. But, DJ, um, where do you want to start first? Because, man, there's just so much, so many places we can go. Why don't you set the tenor and tone for this interview? And let's just have a discussion about where things are and what we're seeing take place. Okay. Well, I don't know. I guess one place we could start is um, the Mark of the Beast. I see, you know, all these reports out there, very good reports, you know, talking about the Mark of the Beast and how it's going to be a barcode or a microchip or, you know, something of that sort. And in digging, and I I mean going back in language 6,000 years, um, I don't think it's going to be that at all, although it could be. It could be a component of it. Um, There's... um, I went back in, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this the right way, Gematria? Right, that's yeah. fine. Gematria, okay. Gematria, yeah. Right, and I researched six or seven languages going, you know, from the ancient Hebrew to um, the ancient uh, Semitic Hebrew through the Phoenicians through the ancient Babylonian alphabet, which goes back to 2000 B.C., you know, down through um, 
ancient Sumerian cuneiform, which goes, you know, that, that goes all the way back to 3100 BC up until about 100 AD. And one interesting thing I found in all, all, not, not kind of, sort of, but all these languages, the sixth letter of the alphabet, whether they read from right to left or left to right, is the wa or the va, which is a W in those languages. So, you know, could the mark of the beast actually be um, the Internet, the IOT, the GID, the Global Information Grid, the Internet of Things, um, creating, a, you know, this huge all-encompassing planetary planetary neural network. And, you know, I, I started doing some more researching into the Georgia Guidestones. And probably most of your audiences, audience out there is already familiar with those, but what they may not be familiar with is that three of the languages carved in the Georgia Guidestones um, is a translation in ancient Babylonian Babylonian in cuneiform script, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, and the ancient Greek or Sanskrit language. So those stones are are translated into those languages. And you have to ask, well, I had to ask myself, why? Why would they? Nobody speaks these languages anymore. Nobody reads them anymore. And certainly all but scholars are even remotely familiar with them. So why? Would they have, you know, felt the need to carve them into the guidestones if maybe not for a tribute to an ancient civilization that may have inhabited and ruled humanity eons ago? Okay. You've got, how, how many languages are in the Georgia guidestones, did you say? Um, I mean, I mean there's uh, several, right? There's several, but there's three that, you know, are not, um, I mean, they're not dialed, dial, I mean, they're out of use. They're, they're ancient. They're gone. Right. Hmm. Right. And it's, it's in, it's in, you know, it's been translated in many of the modern, modern languages that, you know, we speak here on this planet today, but, you know, it's also translated into those three ancient, very ancient, if you would, Call them dead languages. Right. So exactly. why? So so okay. And you're kind of to to look at this from a, um, a kind of a macro view here. Your findings, the the consistent letter W, is what you're saying throughout all the all of the languages, equating to the number six, six to the left, six to the right, whatever. Six letter of the alphabet. Or six mm-hmm. letter of the alphabet. Okay. Six 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 www. Right there we go. And, and now some people might make light of that and say, "Oh come on, you know it's so what?" But mm, that's just one piece of multiple pieces of evidence. Well, if you if you look at it. Um, and I, ha- I do have a report up on my site called, um, uh, I think it's entitled The Mark of the Beast Explained. And it goes through um, 
you know, the, the whole systematic process of tying everything up with the IoT. Everything, everything you do, everyone you know, um, everywhere you go, every transaction you make, everything now is being engulfed by this IoT. And pretty soon you won't be able to participate in society by sell trade, work, um, carry out transactions, communications, employ- you won't be able to do anything unless you're you're somehow connected to it. So you're gonna, everyone's gonna have to have a digital identity, a digital profile. And the IoT is the Internet of Things, right? Uh, and that's that's uh, any device or uh, anything that can connect to the Internet, uh, whether it be your thermostat, the smart meters, your cell phone, computers. Uh, that that's what the Internet of Things is. Right. Is this some like I mean, we've talked on this program about um, what was it the five G network, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is DJ would this be the five G network, um, or does this have anything to do with the five G network, or? Well, the 5G network is part of it. It's an expansion of the global information grid, which the Internet of Things or the IoT sits on, mm-hmm. okay. on a global basis. Now, if you look at um, some of the technology and projects um, that are being conducted and promoted by Google, uh, for instance, Project Loon, have you guys heard of that? No. Project Loon? Like a Looney Tune? Kind of well, sort of. Okay. It Loon. depends how you look at it. Um, Project Loon is a, is um, an endeavor where they're trying to bring the internet or internet connectivity to third world countries um, by using like a system of balloons for um, satellite uh, for transmitters receivers. Whereas these, I guess. Goat herders in, you know, the Sudan and Africa can get on the internet if they have a device. And I know that, uh, Bill Gates with Microsoft and other telecommunications companies have been actively involved in actually giving away technology to, you know, these quote unquote third world nations so that everybody gets connected. And, and, and that's the goal. The, the goal is to have everyone connected through the internet, right? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't mean to take you off your stride there. If you're going to say something else, because no, we'll continue. But there's also, you know, the Microsat um, program, which is um, geospatial engineering, and Elon Musk is very involved in that as well. Now, Elon Musk, I can't quite figure out. Although he's br- he, he is a brilliant man. Um, he's on the one hand. He's very much against the proliferation of artificial intelligence on the Internet and on the global information grid. However, on the other hand, he's been actively an active participant and entrepreneur in startup companies that um, develop this type of technology. So, you know, I kind of don't know where Elon Musk is on. Well, you know, one interesting thing about that in uh, I saw some of the headlines in the last few weeks and months where he warns, you know, that artificial intelligence is one of the biggest threats that humanity faces. But his solution to those threats is to merge with machine. If you merge with the machine, uh, it can't be a threat to you, is the argument that he makes. 
<laughs> I know Ray Kurzweil is very big with that argument. Um, he's all for this transhumanism movement, you know, getting man to merge with machine and changing the natural evolutionary path of mankind. I mean, he's, um, Ray Kurzweil is, is very much into that. Um, mm. That doesn't give me much much uh, hope. I, or I shouldn't say hope, but it doesn't give me much. Certainly not the warm fuzzies, I guess. All right. So, so, go so ahead. could it be that, you know, from thousands of years ago, you know, and this is a question I ask myself, could it be from thousands of years ago we've been given, this warning has been put out there, you know what I mean, um, 666, you know, and it was up to humanity to kind of decode what that was. Now, whether or not in the future, um, and probably not long term down the road, will uh, people be required to be microchipped in order for identification to gain access to the internet. Now that that's a whole another story. You know that's a whole another component to this beast system. You know I can see how that would evolve. Uh, I, I can I can because from the pets, you know, microchipping pets. Oh, that's a good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Humans, of course, are different. Uh, but, but then again, if if all of our uh, data is or could be potentially compromised, whether it be on a computer or a card or whatever, the likely progression would be to a, a chip. But my question to you, if that's the case, DJ, and, and, and I don't doubt that, how would you, how do you foresee Christians reconciling the um, acceptance of a chip, hand or forehead, as the Bible warns about. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, if global society, you know, Doug, I don't know how to answer that question. Um, yeah, I don't either. If global society forces humanity to accept, like you were talking about, you know, a microchip, or like I'm talking about the internet, um, as you know, if you don't accept it, if you don't take it, then you're gone. You're like you're almost like a human network node, and I think that's what they're they're going for. I get that. Uh, creating a bunch of human nodes on a network, and once your node is unplugged from the network, you basically cease to exist. You still may be able to you know, to breathe and to eat and to drink. But as far as the world as you know it and um, being a part of it, that doesn't exist anymore. Wow. And I I sense that we're getting to that point ever so quickly. You you look at, um, and and I was looking at your website, and our guest is DJ Welch from uh, Level9News.com. That's Level9News.com. Great website, a lot of great information. And, And do subscribe to... Uh, to level9news.com, uh, the, the, um, artificial intelligence, and, and this kind of, this really, folks, this blows my mind just really quickly, and then I'll move back to DJ here. You, you talk to, uh, people like Steve and, uh, Tom Horn, and, well, you know our guests that have been on about talking about mm-hmm. pre-edemic, pre-edemic civilizations, and the, um, technology that might have existed Way, way before even history began as we know it, history as we know it began. So, I mean, fallen angel technology for 
or as Steve Quayle would, would call it and others would call it, coming back in, into today, being developed and used today. So all of this, I guess what, what I'm saying is all of this is kind of tied together. And it, we're, to me, we're seeing kind of connecting all of the dots here. And DJ's uh, certainly doing a great job to fill in a lot of the blanks. So, okay. Mark of the B system, certainly internet connected, internet of things connected, I suppose, um, even to the extent of a chip. I certainly can see that. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned, uh, ancient technology, uh, because recently, I don't know if it was in 2015 or even sooner than that, in Turkey, um, they found what was, the, you know, an ancient equivalent to like a handheld computer. It was 1200 years old and one of its, one of its functions is that, um, they ascertain it was used to determine assay balances or content of precious metals or, you know, what we call today carrots, carrot weight of gold or troy ounce content of silver, you know, troy content of silver, that type of thing. And they had this, this, you know, small little box, the top like either slid open or flipped up, and it was actually um, a very primitive type of computer, and it was believed to have been used to assay metals. So, you know, considering how long did it take us to to do that, and here they find something that, you know, is 1,200 years old, you know, which kind of, you know, I, I know I'm flying off on a bunch of tangents, and I apologize that didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare, but, you know, the whole business of what's going on in the Middle East as well, I don't think, and please tell me what your views are on this, I don't think this whole Middle East thing is about terrorism or about oil. I think it's about technology, and I think it's, you know, probably has a lot to do with um, uh, the... I want to call them shadow governments. Sure. Um, get, getting, yep, getting their hands on this technology that's uh, yeah. out there. I, th- I think it's. I don't think it, they have to be mutually exclusive. I think it could be about all of that, and including the technology. Mm-hmm. It could be. You know, um, when you look at all the work you've done. Um, that, that you've done and, and published on level9news.com and through your interviews, it, it just seems as if there's a lot of connectivity, no pun intended, between a, a lot of these um, areas of interest, oil, energy, technology. But ultimately, it's all about control of the population, isn't it? It's about human behavior. Oh, absolutely. It's all about control. And that's where assimilation and tech addiction, I think, comes, comes into the equation as well. Yeah. And you, and you, you do a great job in really explaining this and, and talking about this. Um, and you're so knowledgeable about the, um, well, just about the artificial intelligence side of things. Um, one thing that we've seen, you mentioned tech, Tech addiction, and I know, folks, this is a huge topic to discuss. I mean, this is this is really all for all the marvel. So you have to understand that that we're taking little chunks at a time. So if 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 we're both kind of or we're all uh, kind of discombobulated, hey, we're we're trying to to really tackle and embrace the huge this huge topic. But 
Um, we see things like the Global Information Grid, the National Geospatial Agency pop-up of late. We're seeing the, uh, you had done a lot of research with uh, Jade Helm mapping the human domain. My goodness, what does that tell us? Uh, now, the tech addiction with the social networking creating, what would it create the, the, this, uh, the ability for kind of the hive mind or the, the, I don't know what it would be, but. Exactly. It's hive intelligence. Right. And when you create a hive intelligence, um, you create a hive behavior and the behavior of the hive can be controlled or directed from a central point. That's right. Isn't it interesting, though? You go back again. <laughs> I remember you from uh, remember speaking with you from Jade Helm, and you were one of the only people who said, "Look, this is. I mean, this is about reaction. It's about analyzing human behavior and responding to human behavior, and it's about mapping the human domain." And you went really into detail with that. And that fascinated me. And I think that, that, again, this is how we have to look, to me, that we have to look at everything um, when we see things take place. And, and I know that all of our responses are being gauged, our behavior is being analyzed, our, and being fed, all of this data is being fed into somewhere. And, I, and during your interview with the J.B. Wells, you are talking about the uh, digital profile, which um, on everybody for the purposes of continuity of government, which I thought was fascinating. Um Mm-hmm. You know, so well, yeah, they, they've they've started this. This isn't new. They've been doing this. This goes all the way back to Project Echelon, um, in the '90s and even before that, when they were gathering up and collecting all telephonic uh, communications um, across the world. Uh, they've just expanded those parameters now to include all digital. Communications, which is your text messaging, your cell phone conversations, which goes along with telephonic, your pictures, your videos, your emoticons that you use in your messages, you know, places like LinkedIn, Facebook, I just think is an abomination and everybody should probably get off that thing because, um, you know, people are just voluntarily, voluntarily, um, uploading every aspect of their life which is being cataloged and categorized for future use making it easy obviously making it easier i should say for the the powers the uh the elite the technocrats the uh people who are doing this um it's amazing, and how many people are just willingly giving up their privacy? I just, I don't, I don't get that. Uh-huh. Well, willingly and unwillingly. I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, that book from Brzezinski that uh, right. I referenced. It talks about, and that's from the seventies. It talks about how even back then, phone communications, as well as uh, mm-hmm. uh, thing, everything that was sent in the mail. He said that everything that is mailed through the post office is read. Every phone call is listened to. There is no such thing as privacy. Anymore, and that was you know forty, fifty years ago. And then you think how everything's connected today from the internet of th- with the internet of things to every you know device that we have in our house on our person, uh, and it's only getting worse with smart refrigerators and washers and watches and 
Um, everything's connected, and all that data is gathered. I can, I can see inside my refrigerator. <laughs> Folks, we're talking with DJ Welsh from Level9News.com. That's Level9News.com. We're up against our break. We'll be right back with DJ after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's a... It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow. It's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Trained Personal Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to each major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Army kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Water. Just enter coupon code HADMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changepostonwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. 
Level9news.com talking about the uh, the technology behind the mark of the beast and psychic addiction and um, artificial intelligence and you know digging deep into this topic because what's behind everything that we're seeing is this technology gone wild um, it's crazy and it's it's interesting because you hear as our guest DJ Welch pointed out, you know, Elon Musk and uh, others talking about it, have talked about it. And of course you remember DJ Welch from, uh, uh, coming on our program during Jade Helm and during that time period when everyone was focused on the visible and not really not the deeper aspects of Jade Helm. And that really sold me on her research and her investigation, her investigating, uh, investigative abilities to look through the layers of, of deception and the obvious. And, and this is what we're doing now because you've got, uh, you know, you've got things going on in the Middle East. You've got things going on in, in North Korea. You've got things going on everywhere and domestically. And of course, the big fight, deep state as, as we know it, taking advantage of um, everything or running the show, I should say. Before we get back to DJ, folks, I don't know if you haven't done this yet. You've got to do so. You've got to get grab T.C. Joseph's books, thisgenerationseries.com, his books. He, he wrote a trilogy. T.C. Joseph wrote a trilogy, um, an unbelievable, really, set of books, a set of fictionalized books, talking about just what's on our event horizon. Book one, precipice. Book two, penance. Book three. I, I did that backwards. Okay. In fact, folks, Pentecost. Sorry about that. Good. The website might be down. TCJoseph.com. I was looking for the visual cue here. I'm thinking, whoa, okay. Uh, at any rate, TC Joseph is a good friend of the program and he's written three amazing books. Uh, definitely, definitely visit him on Amazon, TC Joseph, this generation series. Uh, you won't be sorry. And, and you know, they can be used as book can, can be used as tools to give to others who perhaps want to read the fiction. I call it faction. Um, over about what, what's, what's to come. TC Joseph. Okay. Back to our guest, DJ Welch of level9news.com. DJ, thanks for your patience. And, uh, yeah, you know, all of this, uh, I mean, we're, <laughs> how do you even, where do we even go? I mean, it, I don't even know what questions to ask. This is a, such a huge topic. Um, it is, and it, it can be broken down into so many different segments. For example, you know, on my site, I have, I think, over 300 reports. The majority of those re- research reports are focused on artificial intelligence, artificial general intelligence, um, human terrain systems, and artificial biology, DNA, and transhumanism. Okay. Okay. You know, that the movement towards there. So there's a lot of stuff to read, you know, if you're if your audience is into that type of thing, but I think they'd be, you know, mesmerized once they start going through this stuff and just going, Oh my god, I never knew about half of these programs that are out there. And they are out there. They're just not being promoted, advertised, or talked about. 
Who's who, when we say the deep state? Okay, we all get the shadow government aspect, but in your research, um, who's behind all of this? Or Joe mentioned Brzezinski, of course, from the seventies, keying in on certain aspects of this. But, but mm-hmm. there's got to be like a is, is there a hierarchy of people who are pushing this digital artificial intelligence? Yeah, there is, and but I, I believe they're broken down into multiple different segments. You have uh, that hierarchy that is focused on finance and economy, that hierarchy that's focused on, um, you know, global religion, that hierarchy that's focused on the military, and, uh, you know, of course, that hierarchy that's focused on technology, okay. which is the area that I focus in. And, you know, it... It's surprisingly enough from what I've been able to ascertain consists of um, a few handfuls of, of key players. And some of those key players, not all, but some to just give you an example, you know, you have your Bill Gates, um, you have, you know, the heads of these large military defense contractors, um, you know, um, and so on and so on. I'm not, I'm not sure. too sure if Elon Musk is involved in this to the extent that, you know, these other players are. But, you know, these, these are the people that attend the Bilderberg meetings, uh, that sit on the chairs of the Davos sessions and that type of thing. These are the people that get together you know, behind closed doors in dark rooms and decide where humanity is going to be going and how they're going to hurt us there. Interesting. Which we know, we I guess we know the players, but I don't think we know with any degree of certainty or specificity the degree of the, or until you've, until you've explained it, uh, the degree that technology, the Internet, the connectivity is playing into the control of the masses, uh, which is interesting, I find. Now, yeah, and this um, comes into a segment of, you know, what I've, I've dubbed TA, tech addiction. Mm. This is very real. Um, you know, it's as real as mind-altering drug addiction. It's as real as alcohol addiction, gambling addiction, any other type of addiction um, that's out there. And if I may just, you know, sidetrack a little bit and segue into the gaming industry because um, I don't know if your audience knows I was um, I was involved in the gaming industry for over 11 years. Now, one of the things that they do with the slot machines, I don't know if you've... you've I don't know if you've ever frequented a casino for any length of time, but, you know, working there, I got to see this firsthand where, you know, you'll you'll see, a, this is predominantly women, too, in my observation, not so much men, although I've seen it in men, where they will sit down at a slot machine and they will play that slot machine for 10 or 11 hours, you know, and then I go home and I come back the next day they are still sitting at the same slot machine wearing the same clothes. They haven't left. Now, 
you may ask yourself, well, how can somebody do something so repetitively for so long and just not get bored and walk away? Well, I'm going to tell you how they do it. There is a frequency admitted um, by the screens on these machines. That frequency, that wavelength, if exposed to it long enough, creates an effect on the brain that uh, triggers the brain to produce and release um, a hormone, a chemical, that has the exact same effect on a person as Valium. So like with a drug addict, you know, you take a drug and as soon as you start to come down from it, you need more of that drug. So you take more and more and more until, you know, you physically can't break away from the drug, the heroin, whatever it is, or in this particular instance that I just used, you know, from these machines. Now, I gave this example for the express purpose of attempting to point out the effect that frequencies and tech addiction can have on the brain. What is happening with, you know, if you've ever been to a restaurant or sitting at a stoplight in traffic and you see these people, they're glued to their phone. I mean, there's, they may be at a restaurant sitting there with four or five other people and every single, none of them are engaging in, you know, personal, um, you know, one-to-one communication. They're all on their phones. As a matter of fact, I've even been in a situation where one person at the table was texting another person at the table about a third, something about a third person that was sitting at the table. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, this is this is the type of, you know, we're trading our humanity for, we're trading our souls for this uh, this drug, you know, this technical addiction. Yeah, i, I got to go back and revisit, if you don't mind, the slot machine emitting a frequency is this um okay uh would it be all the slot machines just some of them and no they all of them okay yeah it, it's pretty much an industry standard the flicker rate or the frequency that you know the light is emitted from them and as you notice um, all slot machine screens basically uh no matter what the configuration or the the picture or whatever they they basically have the same colors on the screen with very few exceptions or deviations and they found that these colors with the flicker rates and the light frequency being emitted has the highest effect on the person sitting down in front of it. Now they weren't I, I don't believe anyway that the industry developed these machines for the purpose of um, rerouting the neural networks in a person's brain. So I believe they developed them in order to prolong the amount of time somebody who would, you know, naturally unencumbered spend in front of one of these machines feeding money into them. Sure. You know, so, I, so I believe it was, you know, the money aspect of it. And then they realized, you know, hmm. Uh, these machines are actually having an effect on the brain. And they actually taught us this, you know, right. in, in a class, um, you know, at every one of the casinos I've worked at. So, you know, it, it's, I'm not making this up. This is, this is a real thing. They're aware of it and they know how it impacts certain human beings. 
well, all human beings that are exposed to the frequency emitted by these machines, but some more so than others. And by that, I mean there are some people, personalities, uh, biological, physiological compositions who are more, um, more, uh, oh, will lean, Right. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I couldn't. I couldn't think sure. of the word. More predisposed to an addictive personality sure. than others. Okay. Wow. This is fascinating. So, so it's an audio visual or just visual? It's more. I think it's more visual. There, there is an audio hypnotic effect though too, and um, that's at play. But I think you know. I know. For, for a fact, it's the frequency emission of the light coming off the screens that creates that hypnotic uh, drug-induced effect of people who sit there for hours and hours and even sometimes days at a time. Now, if you think that this, you know, and, and I know you don't, but, you know, if you think that this is, you know, oh, she's pulling that out of thin air, let me just bring your attention to a couple of patents. And these are military, government DOD patents on file. Anybody can look them up. First one is patent number 6011991, remote BMI, neural monitoring. BMI is brain-machine interface. Patent number 3951134, distant brain uh, reading and brainwave manipulation. Patents number 6470214 and patent number 6587729, both of those go hand in hand. The first is RF hearing effect, also known as the voice of God. The second one is SVR technology or subvocal recognition, which converts RF frequencies or radio frequency into pressure and heat as these RF waves penetrate the skull and what they, what those RF modulated waves and they can be sent out in a modulated wave or as a carrier wave on another type of transmission that approximate an actual audio signal. So in effect what just these four patents I've mentioned can do is they can place not only thoughts but voices in people's heads without the people being able to distinguish if they are real or synthesized. All right. And obviously, what we're talking about is far beyond just the gaming industry. It goes, oh, it yeah. has applications everywhere. Mm-hmm. All right. But a very classic example and one that you pointed out would be the gaming industry. Okay. Wow. And, and so, this well they use this technology in the Middle East um, the RF hearing effect you know I don't know if you recall um, where there was a bunch of Middle Eastern soldiers that walked up to an, um, a United States or a United Nations convoy and just laid down their weapons and s- surrendered for yeah. no apparent reason oh sure they, they were experimenting with this technology in the Middle East as a matter of fact uh, Jade Helm 15. Right. There was a there was a Jade Helm 13 and 14 also, and those were also used in the Middle East as a way to you know, as you pointed out, to map the human terrain and to 
educate the AI working behind the scenes to be able to predict and preempt the actions and reactions of an affected person or group of persons. And they were very successful with it. So you're talking about really, um, again, complete control of all of our, uh, of all the aspects, but you're talking about, uh, uh, the analysis of behavior to predict crime, I suppose. You're talking pre-crime, pre-crime right? Mm-hmm. And you're talking about handling crime through, I'm going to say weapons, like you just described. Mm-hmm. And then you would probably have weapons to take care of the undesirables. Well, yeah, those are laws, and um, I think you hit on it uh, a little earlier in the discussion. Um, is I did an in-depth, I tore this program apart. It's called the HSCOI. Oh, yeah. And what it is, is it's, it, it is a tool that will use social media in order to target and eventually eliminate undesirables in society. Um, you know, we're getting into very dangerous territory here, uh, where right is wrong, good is evil, evil is right, you know, up is down. Everything is completely turned around and distorted. We're being misdirected and lied to at practically every step and every turn. Now, what the HSCOI program will be implementing and using our laws, which are lethal lethal autonomous weapons. Now, what they're doing is they're, they're collecting, as we mentioned before, all of this data, um, you know, through social media. Social media platforms are right now key number one, by far surpasses all other types of surveillance and data gathering because people are willingly giving this information up. You don't have to employ armies of, you know, intelligence technicians to go out and find this data. People are just uploading it voluntarily. And you're being profiled, um, categorized, and classified in a system right now. This is, and, this and that's is what's what, going on. And that's what you talked about. You talked about that it classified, profiled, the digital profile, and you're going to be either des- in, in one of two categories, desirable, I think you said, and undesirable. Is it- undesirable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and this is uh, um, from from the context of government, all right, not from the context of good and evil, me and you, you know, not from that context, but the, from the from a context of the continuity of government. Okay. When you say continuity of government, that makes me think that they're expecting something to happen. But that, in my mind, perhaps not not an event, but more of a reaction to... It could be an event. It could be this this um, phenomenon that's going on that a lot of people are, are calling a global awakening. And, you know, I think that's happening as well. We're starting to get a little bit smarter about the lies that are being told to us on a regular basis. Um, you know, I guess 
I guess they're calling it the fake news out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, you know, people are realizing, you know, when they turn on the television, they go to the, you know, their favorite network news station, that they can't believe what they're being told. And this scares them. This really has them on edge. What I, what I see coming down the pike eventually, and probably sooner than later, is a situation where you're going to have this artificial general intelligence, which is running and operating these law systems and these weapon systems that are completely automated. Um, they are going to be looking at, let's call them threats, okay. human threats. They're going to be looking at um, traders. At, at, they're going to be looking at patriots as traders and traders at, as patriots to be protected at all costs. So, I don't know if that kind of paints a picture. Yeah, it does. And it's interesting you bring this up. But in the real-world application, I believe we're seeing it play out, is the geos... Well, okay, the, it's um, not the NSA necessarily as... Well, it is the NSA, but there's also the NGA, National Geospatial Agency as well, which is the mm-hmm. global information grid. And it's it's a surveillance... I, I mean, total, total, absolute subjugation to a surveillance state, mm-hmm. and, and we're seeing we're seeing this um, this develop exponentially. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. It, it, oh. I, I, wow. With with the artificial intelligence, we see a lot of reports that you know um, computers, robots are going to be taking over a lot of jobs from uh, you know fast food work to other you know, bank tellers, and uh, are we going to, do you think we're going to continue to see this gradual push of computers and artificial intelligence taking over different sectors of our society, or do you think we will see some type of cataclysm, like a, a World War Three type event, that will force us all to to go into that new system, or do you think it will be more gradual? Gee, I don't know, and for me to, to, you know, make a claim one way or the other would be conjecture on my part, but I do know that this global minimum sustainable income, which is a bridge, more or less, they're looking at uh, in a world without work, a bridge to a world without work has been a main topic at Davos for the past two years. So this is not something they're taking lightly. And I don't think we should either. Because what does that mean? Uh, I'm sorry. What does world without work mean? Uh, well, what that what that means is in, um, is basically a global minimum sustainable income. They're they're already um, they're already testing it in um, the Netherlands. Um, they I want to say they've already tested it, or they're going to test it. In or around San Jose, California, and this was, you know, already determined during, you know, Obama's administration, I think in his last year, where they were going to test this basic minimum sustainable, sustainable income. And what it basically is, is that they will, it's corporate welfare. Mm. That's how it'll start. Instead of government welfare, it's more or less a corporate welfare where everybody in that society, let's call it the San, San Jose, 
just for argument's sake. Everybody in San Jose, and of course this would spread exponentially everywhere, you know, if their plans go as they're projecting, in that everybody in San Jose would receive a basic minimum, and here's the key word, sustainable income. Whatever that income is, that's to be determined. Um, it will be different in Japan than it would be in the United States, than it would be in Denmark or in some South American countries, okay? So that's where we are. Everybody would get an equal amount. There would still be work during the transitional phase, during the bridge to a world without work, but um, anybody who who makes, say, say the amount is $28,000. I'm just pulling this off the top of my head for sure. purposes of this discussion. If you work and you make 32000 100% of the amount over 28000 would be subject to tax so that everybody would be on an equal field. And when I put that report out, you know, some people contacted me and they said, oh, well, I think this would be wonderful. You know, I'm on Social Security and I could sure use $28,000. And, I'm, you know, I wrote back to this person. I said, don't you understand what you're giving up? You know, you you are you are a slave at that point. And if they pull your, you know, if they pull your basic um, level of sustainment, you are no more. Do you understand that? You know, do you understand how this eventually works and how it's designed to work? Now, things like pensions, investments. Um, savings accounts, those types of things, will be considered excess income, excesses, and they will be no more. And the other component that they don't talk about regarding this basic minimum sustainable income is the component that everything, you, every dollar you spend, every penny you spend will be tracked on where you spent it, how you spent it, how you used what you spent it on. Wow. And that's the, uh, and there that's it is. The future. And when you look at the Bible, no man might buy or sell unless he has the mark of the beast. That is where they are yes, pushing us to. Folks, we're talking with DJ Welsh, level9news.com. That's level9news.com. There it is on screen on our YouTube video. And we'll be right back with DJ after these short messages. So, uh, so, so, so glad to have her. Yes. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. 
Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Reporter, a very special guest, DJ Welch from Level9News.com. That's Level9News, Level, the number 9News.com. Okay, real simple, Level, number 9News.com. All smushed together, no spaces. Level9News, DJ Welch. And right before the break, um, we were, she was talking about the, um, in Southern California, um, a, a kind of a pilot program in a way that's uh, could be starting. Uh, that sounds to me a lot like the Karl Marx phrase from each according to his ability to each according to his needs. Uh, Karl Marx made that, uh, that was his popular saying back in the uh, critique of the Gotha program published in 1875. And that's the uh, Marxist doctrine or tenet of Marxism. But it doesn't sound much like um, from each according to his ability, but more the sustainability part to each according to his needs or her needs, their needs. And but, but that's total control. And and that goes into as Joe mentioned, that goes into the surveillance of everything you do. You mentioned this as well. 
and ultimately uh, ultimate subjugation and, and control. So is this, I mean, how can they implement this? Oh, and the, the other thing I have, too, be, 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 while we have you, is if all of this is dependent upon, for example, the Internet or interconnectivity through a network, I don't think we could, I don't think, they're not going to take the grid down, are they? Or could they? Or uh, they need it. Or <laughs> or can it, can it be autonomous or self-sustaining somewhere else? Or how does that work? It's funny because as, as I was listening to you explain that, I'm thinking to myself, hmm, an EMP might not be a bad idea. Yeah, really? Yeah, because that, that definitely would take down electrical systems, and you know these these uh, the IoT, the GIG, um, all the computers running the clouds and things like that. The servers are dependent on you know electricity and electrical circuitry, and those would be fried. So yeah, I mean, uh, uh, have at it. Uh, let's let's unplug, really unplug, and and go back to the. Uh, you know, 19th century, uh, gas lanterns and, mm-hmm. you know, everything. Uh, but, uh, th- that's one way. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. you know, getting the, uh, the demonic, uh, people out of the, the positions of power is another and more preferable way, I suppose. Um, okay. Yeah, if I could sh- share with you a little story that happened to me, this is, you know, not to digress, but, um, a week ago, Something happened to my cell phone, and I just woke up in the morning, and it wasn't working anymore. So, make a long story short, it was in the shop for a week getting fixed, and I had to actually drive to places without looking them up on the Internet, because I haven't I haven't lived in Phoenix that long, and it's a big city, and I'm not familiar with it, especially after coming from New Mexico, you know, where there's only a, a, a couple of, you know, hubs around that you'd have any need to go to anyway and you get pretty familiar with those pretty fast but I have to tell you it was it was so nice in not having you know your phone going off with text messages and ringing and voicemails and Facebook you know I'm not I'm on Facebook but I don't use it I don't ever use it but I always get notifications when people post stuff on I find it really annoying but, you know, it was nice, and I couldn't find this one place I was going to, so I figured, well, let's do what we used to do in the old days. And I stopped at a gas station, and I said, do you have maps? And the girl looked at me, she goes, oh, you mean like Google Maps? I said, no, <laughs> like a map. It's a, it's a small piece of paper that unfolds into a large piece of paper and has pictures of roads on it. And she looked at me like, huh? Yeah, I said, yeah. oh, never mind, never mind. <laughs> so do you have you know, a payphone handy? You know, can I use that? No, no payphones <laughs> yeah, anymore well. either. But anyway, I digress. It was just a funny little story, and it was actually quite peaceful. Wow. You know, without it. Yeah, and I, I'm one. I, I don't, I don't. Well, my wife makes me carry a cell phone because. She said, "Look, you're old. You're confused. You get lost. Here. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, I, the next thing I'm gonna do is have to write my name on my underwear. But, but uh, anyway, <laughs> an address. If uh, lost, please return to. Right, right. Um, but no, I, I'm I'm kidding about that. But really, what we're looking at uh, is is not just information warfare. Just to kind of wrap this up, can't encapsulate it and. Um, 
not only are we being subjected to inf- informational warfare, and there's a lot of deception out there at that level, but we're also looking at control through surveillance via the Internet and social networking and all telecommunications, mm-hmm. everything. That's kind of what we're looking at, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, I totally agree with you on that. Um, you know, they. what is actually happening, uh, if I can put it in bombastic terms here, is that they are actually, they have found a way to hack human brains without implants. Now, um, for your audience, I'm sure many of this, many of them know this already, but um, human neural connections in the brain, all right, um, neural pathways, mm-hmm. uh, they're formed by repetition. Um, in the interconnections of these neurons, um, if a path is used over and over again, and by the way, this is how addiction works as well, as, if, as these paths are used over and over again, they form more hardened um, interconnections with other neurons in the body. Um, now, by doing this, and the phenomena of tech addiction, I think, I believe, is now controlling to some extent and to some degree granted with some people more than others, how we perceive and interact with the world around us. And, well, how do you mean? How do you mean they're controlling? Well, anger, euphoria, hunger, pain, pleasure. Um, you know, we are now looking towards, you know, technology to satisfy these emotional needs or cravings or wants or desires. Um we live in an age now of instant gratification. Let me back up a minute. Um, you know how um, we used to learn things by actually putting forth some effort to find an answer, which exercises those, you know, our our human biological neural network. It, it exercises it. It strengthens it. Now all we have to do is, you know, go to go to Google and ask Siri or ask Alexa or ask whoever for an answer and boom, it gives us the answer. No effort, no work, no nothing is put into that. So what happens? Do we actually learn? No, we're not learning. We're getting an instant gratification to um, you know, a question or a problem that we have, and we are slowly Losing the ability to figure things out on our own, I think. And I don't think this is by default. I think this is by design. Kind of like if, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Yeah, so there you go. You know, mm-hmm. okay. And, and I guess, and, yeah. You know, and, and neural networks in artificial intelligence work the same way. As a matter of fact, they're, they're being patterned of uh, biological neural networks in humans and animals. So, you know, they've got a very good handle on what they're doing. And although, you know, many people 
have accused me of being a technophobe. Oh, you just, you're afraid of technology. You hate technology. No, I don't. I think there are some great things technology can, can do for humanity. However, the person at the helm, no pun intended, the people, organizations and think tanks at the helm are anything but benevolent. And they will use this. They'll find a way to weaponize it and find a way to use it to cast a neural net over humanity. And I think, you know, they're coming a long way in this respect. You know, it's almost as if, Doug, that we're adding an eighth eighth level to the OSI model, which is the Open System Interconnection Model, you know, where you have the physical data network, session layer, presentation layer, we're now adding an eighth layer to that, and that's the human interface layer mm. to that model. And, you know, that's where a lot of my my work and my reports um, go into as far as assimilation and transhumanism. Transhumanism is frightening, and I just want to uh, give a shout-out to Level 9 News, their subs- her subscription service, well worth it. It's uh, less than $2 a month, and for a year and you get a month free. Go ahead, Joe. Under the Obama Obama administration, we saw um, him do a number of things. The brain mapping initiative. He also issued an executive order in 09 on a bioethics commission, which talked about the intersection of technology and human rights. Um, Can you get into uh, what the purposes of the brain mapping, uh, what those purposes are? (laughs) As a matter of fact, I I have a report that gets into that quite in depth. And what that is, that was a full-on push to understand how the human brain works so that they can fund and develop better AI. AI is probably the wrong term. It's AGI, Artificial General Intelligence, where artificial intelligence, um, you know, is usually task-specific and acts kind of in a box, so to speak. Artificial general intelligence interacts with other AGI out there on the global information grid, as well as it gathers and it gathers and assimilates information from standalone AIs. AGI is much more dangerous. AGI is what we are facing today. AGI is what we see with Google, with Siri, um, with, um, oh, what the heck is it? The, um, whew, just flew out of my head. See, that's what Amazon, happens when you get old. Alexa, Amazon. Yeah, all of those. Okay. You know, it's predictive, you know, it's predicting the future before it happens and the future being predicting what you're going to want, ask, or need before you actually express it. <clears throat> it's interesting because, um, my, my, uh, my stepson got got my wife or got us. I don't know. Oh, Eric the tech. What is that? Alexa. Alexa. Mm-hmm. All right. And this thing just absolutely freaks me out. Okay. I, it, 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 there's something's not right about having a thing that you, you, you talk to it and it wakes up and spits out information or whatever it does. I don't even know what it does. All I know is I put it in the trunk, <laughs> lock the lock the trunk, and disconnect everything. I don't want to see it. That's probably the safest place for it. 
Yeah, it's I don't like those things either. No, I mean, I'm going to tell you something. It, it's it, we, it, to me that's the most absurd. That don't tell my steps on that. But anyway, um, and, and if we're surveillance conscious, conscious, you know, concerned about surveillance, certainly we wouldn't want those things around. You know, it, I, this all again. This topic is so huge, and I go thinking back to uh, making fun, me making fun of people who said, "Oh my, your television is spying on you." I'm thinking, yeah, right. But seriously, you know, you're you're out of your mind. Um, but but that that's a four. I mean, that's not even debatable anymore. No. Um. <clears throat> wow, how how screwed up. You know how, how far behind have I been? But okay. Um, so worse. Even, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to um, expand on what you just said. We just got in the refrigerator, and I was looking inside the hinge, and there's a little like uh, Wi-Fi symbol in there. So I dug the manual out, <laughs> and you can use your cell phone, hold your cell phone up against this thing, and it will transmit and remotely diagnose any problem that you're having with you know the appliance or so it says wow. you know i think it's a, it has the capability to do a lot more than that because remember anything wireless like that ha- not only has the ability to receive it has the ability to transmit that's right and there it is and and that's why um you see people with with electrical tape over their um, cameras uh, on, the, mm-hmm. on our laptops and computers, I certainly we certainly do that, and we don't have any cameras open except in the studio, yeah, because you just never know, and and you always have to nowadays. Yeah, I mean this is totally 1984. Obviously, anyone listening to this broadcast, I'm sure, is saying, "Well, yeah, we know about this," but no, you don't. I don't think we know the extent, and not the extent of the weaponization of the technology. Um, we know it exists, and uh, we've come to expect it. You know, and even just from Vault Seven, the the mm-hmm. releases uh, saying as much. You know that they hack into our systems. That even a lot of Apple products were manufactured so back doors could be uh, opened up into it. But they're using this. They're they're weaponizing this technology and the information they gather with this technology against us. And that's Absolutely. where it it's going to become very dangerous. Mm-hmm. We should talk about that H H S C O I. Uh, DOD project, one of these, maybe because we can talk about that for easy an hour or more and what they're doing with it, where they are as, as far as the schedule, um, of the different phases of that project. They are ahead of schedule on the implementation of that project. Now, I don't know, uh, if you can tell me of any government initiative that's ever been ahead of schedule on anything. No, and I think he, is that the 59 page document you've got linked on your website or is that? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what Pentagon's HSCOI program, mm-hmm. uh, using social media as a targeting to, uh, telemetry. telemetry. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this also gets into, um, I'm looking here at my notes, uh, weapon systems, lethal force, taking the human out of the decision-making process to use a lethal force and the use of right. lethal force. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. Less less human interaction, the better. More automatic uh, 
computer. Response. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what this is all about. Hmm. Yeah, and that's not the only project. You know, that 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 was probably the most. Um, uh, that was probably one of the ones I read that hit me the hardest because they made no bones about how they intend to use this. You know, and I'm like, wow, this is in the public domain and nobody's talking about this? Mm. Yeah, the, 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 that's... But, but you've you've done a lot of... Um, and again, I, I go back to your interview, I think it was back in September of 2016 with uh, John B. Wells and uh, on Caravan to Midnight and also uh, uh, your reports on this HSCOI program. Uh, where, but being ahead of schedule, what does that mean? Does that mean that uh, I mean, I know what ahead of schedule means, but what's their time frame in deployment, complete deployment? Because, and what it, what, what what's 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 the definition of being complete with respect to this program? Um, well, the Gantt charts are all up there for the different uh, modules or aspects of the program, the different compartments of the program, they're up there and, you know, the timelines like we, you know, we intend to get here by um, 2016 and you'll see the Gantt line goes right through 2015. So they already completed that a year ahead of schedule. You know, it's that type of thing and looking at the amount of money that they're investing in this thing um, and where they're getting the money from. You know, like I said, this is a whole other topic and, you know, there's there's so much information in that um, that I, I kind of don't want to... I, I, no, and I understand. People can visit your website, Level 9 News, Level, the number 9, news.com and certainly uh, subscribe to your uh uh, your your subscription service is of course well worth it, and view all of the information you have on your website. You've got a ton of information on there, including interviews, past interviews you've done. It's very well worth the uh, time spent on the website. It, it, we'll take us to the bottom of the hour, which which is about oh nine minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes. I don't know. Uh, DJ Welch Welch is our guest. DJ, what? Um, what should we be looking out for right now? In, what's on your radar in this soup of uh, electronic soup? What should be we should be looking out for? I think one of the things that should be on the top of the radar is going cashless, because if they are successful in doing that, and believe me, they're pushing for it, um, they will be able to track everything. Everything you won't, you know, if you can't, if you can't make a purchase discreetly, if you can't save money, if you know you can't um, uh, work towards your own prosperity or the prosperity of your children, you have nothing. You're a slave. Mm. And I think that's the direction they're kind of like hurting us in right now. And I think this whole Bitcoin thing. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people, and I know I'm going to offend some people out there, but <clears throat> this whole Bitcoin thing, that's just a cog in the wheel of going cashless. It's and a crypto, conser- a crypto con- uh, currency. 
Right. Yeah, it's digital. It's right. completely digital. You you can't hold it. You can't feel it. You can't you know put it in the bank. You know you can't. Well, I know they have digital wallets out there, but that's not what I'm talking about. You can't put it in your pocket and take it with you, so to speak, like you can with cash. And although they say you know they attribute um, or they. Uh, you know, a lot of the praise going towards this whole cryptocurrency uh, phenomena is that, well, it has value because they only ever created, what was it, 24 million Bitcoins or something like that, and they can never create any more. But Bitcoin behaves just like stock. And what they're doing is they can't print more, but they can divide it down into infinity where you, you know, and they're doing that right now. Man, that, that's amazing. I, yeah, it, well, isn't um, who, who's that guy? Who's behind Bitcoin? Who created it? Or, oh, I forget his name. He's Max an Kaiser? Asian or, who created Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, it was an Asian guy. I can't recall. You know, and he was like elusive. Nobody knew him. There was no pictures of him. You know, nobody ever heard of him before. So I'm wondering if he was, you know, just some type of virtual creation out there and if these actually these this bitcoin thing wasn't actually being put out there by the banks you know by the shadow governments you know and i hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist but if it was you know if it wasn't actually created and put out there by them right to get people hooked into the system yeah and it's used on on the uh on the dark web i mean you know when i want to buy my rock of heroin or whatever yeah. You know, just just use the Bitcoin, um, right? Or or whatever. Um, yeah, my grenade launchers. Yeah, but I think you know to answer your question, that's the thing that should be on you know people's radar right now is watch for the migration or forget. We're already progressing towards it, but watch for the crossover to okay. a cashless. Technology, you know, a cashless society. And what would precipitate that? Do you think? Um, well, I think a basic sustainable income is one of the things that will help uh, precipitate that um, collapse of the financial system, possibly collapse of the markets, uh, could precipitate that. You know, there's any number of things that you know could theoretically precipitate it um you know it could be any one or a combination of a multitude of things happening simultaneously or in succession that could precipitate this but but then again when we talk about this you're talking about a system dependent upon a grid that's operable so uh, right uh, if the grid goes down, we no money. Yeah, and that yeah, and that's the other thing you know that I'm I'm kind of perplexed about you know with this whole big uh, cryptocurrency craze is that wait a minute we're living in a society where we're being told every day uh, you know cyber the you know the cyber terrorists are out there and they'll steal your bank account they'll take down the internet they'll do all this thing. well why would you than opt for a currency that's dependent on this. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing they do do or say makes any sense anyway. So who was it? Uh, was it William Gates uh, who said, and in reference to Project Mockingbird, he made a statement. It was one of his outgoing statements. He said, we'll know our project has succeeded when everything the people know is a lie. That's right. 
and that here we are. should hold, you know, that should speak volumes to everybody. That's and he okay. was referring to Project, you know, Project Operation Mockingbird, right? When he made that statement regarding what what's being fed to us, the, uh, right. the people on on the other end of the news spectrum. DJ Welch, thank you so very much for your gift of time. I know you've got a ton of things to do. You're very busy, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time out to uh, spend it with us tonight. And uh, Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it, as always. Well, God bless you, and I know there's so much more to get into, but you gave us the basis, the HSCO1 program, but we, have to, we do have to really watch. Go ahead. Level 9 News, that's level the number 9 news.com level9news.com is the website make sure you check it out and bookmark it uh dj yeah thanks again for spending the time tonight it was a, a very interesting and informative interview and we look forward to uh, hearing you, from you in the future thank you god bless all right when we come back we are going to spend the last segment going over the latest current events news and analysis of what's going on both here nationally and internationally a lot of news to get into, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these messages. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's a, It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Caring Personal Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changelessandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. 
This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and the Hagman Report. Uh, so, so much to get into, uh, so many things. I just want to draw your attention back to, uh, I've got a few things to say about the Syrian attack and um, the blowback. If you don't think there there hasn't been blowback from uh, the cruise missiles, a couple of things that I, I've been looking at, uh, the attack itself, then the Tomahawk, launching of the Tomahawk uh, uh, missiles, and then, of course, from there, the battle damage assessment, and then following that, the um, the response. When I say response, I'm talking about the response from the American people. And the situation is this. First of all, let's look at very quickly, we'll look at the attack. Uh, the initial gas attack in Assyria, all right, that killed what 95 now apparently. There's what three possibilities. It happened as we are led to believe it happened. Uh, okay, it's possible. Or it was a U.S. slash um, Israel slash anti-Syria false flag, right? That's another option. Or another option yet could be a Syrian strike, a strike by Syria, which happened on a location that happened to be storing some gas. Now, when you look at the video, and you pointed, Joe, you pointed this out right after this happened, the if this was sarin gas i'm not sure people the rescuers would be handling the bodies that they wounded the afflicted in the manner they were because one drop of sarin i mean my goodness you, you they'd kill you it's it's that bad so could it be chlorine or could it be a mixture you know a, the components of a gas that somehow mixed up during this attack. I, that really, wow. But if, let's say it was chlorine in storage or some sort of toxic other than sarin gas in storage. That would mean that the, uh, that would mean that the strike by Syria would have to be so 
I don't want to say coincidental, but so precise or so unlucky or lucky. I don't know what term would apply here. But that would that would require or necessitate the fact that the U.S. would have fed, intentionally fed, bad intelligence to the Syrians, got them to bomb a location where our leaders knew the toxic gas is stored. Right? I mean, really, so those are really the only options. So, when you look at it that way, it's certainly, I don't, I still don't see any evidence where the Syrians dropped chemical weapons from an aircraft. And I, I don't think that there was any chemical gases or any chemicals that were stored at the uh, Al Shayat Air Base. There was no footage showing any munitions or containers which would have delivered the toxic gas, even in post-attack assessments, images. And the U.S., well, the U.S. and other radar recordings, all they can show really is that an aircraft is in the sky. It's heading its altitude and speed. There's no way to distinguish a chemical munition, for example, in aerial surveillance or surveillance from space or surveillance period, uh, by means of radar, or radar. So whatever you may think, it, the Assyrian government is obviously, well, it would appear that the Assyrian government is not guilty necessarily, based on the evidence that we've seen, of an attack of this type. Or, now, we get back to the... the the old, same old story. It didn't happen the way they said it happened. Um, you know, in the past, the U.S. has considered false flags. There are records of that, and you can find them. Just search on the Internet. Now, our response. What's agreed upon? Let me ask you, what, what is agreed upon as being our response? Russia, America, both say that two U.S. naval assets, ships, launched 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles at that airfield in Syria. There's apparently no, there's no dispute there. The U.S. did not consult with the Russians on the political level, but through military channels, the U.S. gave Russia a couple of hours noticing, hey, you know what? <clears throat> you might not want to be standing right there at the, underneath that. You know, you might not want to be hanging out at the El Sharat uh, uh, Air Base, airfield in Syria. So there was advance notice given. Now, we said that all of the fired, or all of the missiles hit their targets. And, and notice the language there. All of the missiles hit their targets. Now, the Russians had come out, and Joe, you pointed this out earlier, saying that, oh, wait a second, Russia's saying that only 23 cruise missiles hit hit their target at the airfield, right? And we also had the uh, the United States say that um, one missile may have malfunctioned okay. and landed in the sea. I never saw a confirmation if they found out where exactly it did land or not. But yes, there were reports that only 23 of the 59 missiles made it. Um, 
due so, to so, the Russian anti-missile system that was in place. Okay. But uh, also in other reports, there were um, reports after the missile attack that uh, Russia needed to upgrade or was going to upgrade and implement a new missile defense system in Syria, hinting to the fact that theirs didn't work properly, Okay, if it was used at all. Well, all right. So we have a problem now, don't we? If 23, going back to the original part, if 23 missiles, if 59 missiles were fired and 23 hit their target, we're shy three dozen missiles. Yeah, about $40 million. <laughs> right. So it's a lot of... No, no. For mis- room for mistake there. Okay, so so what happened to the thirty six missiles? Did were, were they and, not fired? And these no. miss- missiles um, are unique, or maybe not unique <clears throat> to the, by today's standards. But each one has the ability to be redirected uh, while in the air. They're accurate. Uh, okay, right. The there's these the three guided systems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a GPS, the um, the inertial navigation, and terrain mapping. So. There's three different guide, guidance systems that, could, that the Tomahawks could use. There's no evidence and no reports that the Russian the Russians shot one missile down whatsoever. Absolutely no. There's no evidence for that. In fact, if you go back in, t- in the history, um, the Russians signed... Uh, an agreement of understanding with the United States that specifically stated that Russia would not interfere with any U.S. overflights, either manned or unmanned. And the United States would not interfere with Russian manned or unmanned. Okay. So what does that mean? Were they lying? Did they use the, the, did the Russians have in place? anti-missile systems uh, but there's no evidence of that so what are the possibilities here is it possible that Donald Trump never intended to really hit the Syrians with any degree of fatality and this was just kind of for show that uh, maybe that the United States the 36 missiles were destroyed by our own naval assets or, you know, send elsewhere into the sea. <clears throat> that would give uh, Donald Trump this uh, appearance of you know, John Wayne appearance, okay? Um, yeah, is it possible? Sure, anything's possible, I suppose. Is it probable? Uh, that doesn't seem very likely that we'd, we'd blow, you know, how many millions there with 36 cruise missiles? So, all right. Since the Russians could not, by decree, could not legally shoot down U.S. missiles. And, by the way, are, are we, what about their flight path? What do we know about that? Um, because wouldn't the missiles overfly the, the, the Russian radar positions. So, there would have to be some sort of evasive maneuvering of the, of the Tomahawks. Now, it's possible that they could have, the Tomahawks could have evaded the, the radars, radar systems because Tomahawks can fly low to the ground. And, um, there could be some evasive, evasive action taken. 
uh, and I'm sure some some were flying low enough to avoid detection by the by the Russians and what have you. How? But think about this. But the Russians had advanced knowledge that they, they were coming, uh, so they had a lot of time to prepare in terms of battle for whatever defensive maneuvers that they would use on behalf of Syria. <coughs> could it be that, <coughs> excuse me, could it be that they, uh, used elect- electronic warfare stations and maneuvers and things to, to fry or disable at least some of the cruise missiles? If that was the case, why not all of them? Uh, you know, so, so I take that as a little bit of a, probably not. Um, one thing to be certain is you, you, you don't lose just 36 tomahawks. You know exactly where they went. Um, so we're getting, I, I guess I said all that to say this. Any intellectually active person out there can look at what's taking place and say, man, we're, we're being fed a load of BS. Both about the initial attack, the gas attack, and there's evidence supportive. And I'm sure there's people who say, well, wait, Saren, you know, um, the, 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 the aid workers could have gotten shots to, you know, beforehand or whatever. No, no, read about that, research that, how that works, and, the lead time that takes and no, no, no. Or, um, whatever it might be. But certainly the Saren angle, no, doesn't appear to be. <laughs> At least not based on the evidence or documentation shown by the media. So if, if they're lying about that, what else are they lying about? And, you would think that if, if the United States was intent on, on completely uh, destroying that, that airfield, they would have destroyed it. Believe me, if I, I, I think this, our military is capable, they would have, they would have turned that into rubble, the airstrip and everything. But, but there was, there were flights out of there, what, 30 hours later off the airstrip. Now they're saying that was a, a hoax, it was a PR stunt. Um, that there were actually no flights from that airstrip, that it was made to look like that to diminish the effects that the U.S. attack had on Syria. So I, I haven't been able to confirm the, those reports either way. But okay. still, um, you make a lot of good points. But, but look, I, I just, 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 uh, all I would, I would say is this. We have to be critical thinkers here, and we have to really look at the at, at the evidence presented to us. Now, we don't know if it's authenticated, uh, authentic evidence or evidence that's. Uh, we don't know. We, we don't know the, the the videos we see that are presented to us. We don't know if they're the true victims of this gas attack or if they're victims somewhere else. We don't know anything except what we're told. And are we being told the truth? Never. Okay, but here's the the political consequences domestically. Have you noticed what's taking place domestically? You've got Aunt Coulter just frothing, saying, oh, Don, what did you do to me, man? Donald Trump, what did you do to me? You've got others. Uh, You've got Michael Savage on on the 
on yeah. the on the warpath. And and look, I, I, me too, because I believe. And again, I wrote the, the articles back in 2012 where before the attack on Gutha, the chemical weapons attack on Gutha, that claimed. And, and again, who do you believe? 250 lives, 1485, or 1500 lives, or somewhere in between. The ramifications to Donald Trump, those who have hated him, still hate him, and those who supported him now hate him as well. Yeah, many do. And he issued a statement today saying that this is not, uh, we're not going into Syria. Um, and uh, General Mattis also said that this is not going to spiral out of control, that basically... Um, and also, possibly, that there's conflicting reports from the inside the administration. Some say there's going to be a regime change or there should be a push for the regime change. And others are saying there won't be. Uh, they're still not going for a regime change. Well, let me tell you something about the regime change. Israel is pushing for the regime change. The United mm-hmm. States is pushing for the re- regime All the wrong... Look, Turkey, you tell me... What what good would it be, Joe? Uh, answer me this question. You take out Assad. Look what happened in Iraq. You had uh, no, uh, Hussein right. in Iraq. Look, the Christians weren't weren't being beheaded at least on a regular basis before the Arab Spring. I don't know. Um, can anybody point an example to me where Assad was murdering his own people? Was you know was well uh, you know to the point uh, where they're committing these humanitarian atrocities in the news? No, he he was a. a, a the secular leader. He was evil, or is evil, but not as evil as He protected ISIS, the, the, the Christians. He protected all Somewhat, these different yeah. tribes. Right. I mean, the same thing with Gaddafi. He was a dictator, yes. Gaddafi, uh, more so, uh, Gaddafi was a little bit better, I believe, than but the, the, Assad. The but, Middle okay. East was stable, for the most part. <laughs> you didn't have, the, you know, these war-torn nations. I mean, did you see today the headlines out of Libya? The, the, they're selling slaves. Oh, of course. Selling people into slavery but in that's Libya. Plan. See, this is democracy and this is nation building. And, and, and go, and, you know what, folks? But, go back to George Webb, uh, W-E-B-B, George Webb on the internet on YouTube. I'm a fan. The rat lines of not just drugs and weapons and money, but sex slaves and organ harvesting. And this is what this yeah. pedophilia is about and the pedigate and this all connects. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. And, and interesting, um, Enough today. The uh, where I saw I saw another report here, and I just off the just left my mind. I'll find it here. But the um, yeah, the, the sex, uh, the slaves in Libya, and you know what's happening in, in Syria. ISIS is still uh, the U.S. and Russia both uh, targeted some ISIS um, posts in the last few days, and I believe the number two was bombed uh, there. But what, what we've seen. Um, in Syria, there's no, it's, it's a lose-lose for us to get involved any more militarily there. Whatever this, you want to call it a civil war or the destabilization, uh, into chaos that was caused by the Arab Spring, which was a direct result of us, you know, funding the, the Al-Qaeda's, the ISIS's. Um, and there's, there was a report today that, uh, sources confirmed sarin gas was used. Well, you know where the source was? It's an anonymous diplomat out of Turkey. The same people who were responsible in 2013 for uh, arming the rebels with the chemical weapons that were used to blame on Assad back then, when over a thousand people were gassed in Syria in 2013. Yeah, yep. And and just like you said, you know, you have 
uh, Jordan, uh, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Israel, all pushing for the removal of Assad. And what's Israel's agenda in this? That has to be looked at as well, um, because I believe they are the one of the main forces pushing for the regime change in in Syria. Well, of course, and it amazes me that they want to settle on a devil that they don't know mm-hmm. versus a, a known threat that that's in the form of Assad. And when we've seen every example before them and all the countries surrounding them, um, you know, you thought the Syrian civil war was bad. They're complaining on the news about, you know, 500,000 Assad's murdered 500,000 people. No, uh, the United States foreign policy and the globalists are responsible for those murders by destabilizing the nation and then funding the most radical uh, Islamic terrorists they could find with our, our weaponry and then not protecting the, the special groups like the Yazidis and the, uh, you know, the Assyrians and those people who are fighting ISIS and terrorism on the front lines. Uh, instead, we, we've been, you know, people like John McCain and Lindsey Graham, these war hawks, they've been funding and pushing, uh, for these rebels to be armed. That's John right. McCain has been to Syria numerous times and both times right after he came back, there was a, sure a new chemical weapons attack. That's right. Um, yeah, he's, there's pictures with him with the number two in ISIS and ISIS's head of PR. And I, I mean, it's crazy. And then he, he has, you know, he comes back here and all the mainstream fake news agencies give him airtime to beat his war drums. And, you know, I don't know if, how many people noticed this last week, but right before the day that, uh, it was in the evening here when the missiles were launched against uh, the airfield in Syria. John McCain gave like four interviews to different news outlets that day, praising Donald Trump, all giddy about, you know, the the prospects of what was upcoming as far as how Syria was going to be dealt with. Almost, you know, like it was, uh, he was a kid on Easter, uh, on an Easter egg hunt, and he just found some some chocolate eggs. Um, it's sickening to see that the, these these people pushing for war, pushing for death, and it's fascinating to me that they can, you know, use this one chemical attack or alleged chemical attack, whatever you want to call it, they can, you know, tout or show a few children and say, look, this is why we need to do this. Yet at the same time, you have thousands of children, you know, being murdered through abortions in America. But just besides that fact, what about the half a million dead people in Syria, many of whom were civilians, men, women, and children? Uh, where are those uh, you know, victims being shown on the news from the weapons that you, John McCain, and others in the administration sold to the rebels. You don't hear the outcries then to protect the children for humanitarianism, only when it suits your agenda. Amen to that. Yes. Yes. The warmongers are happy. And this goes back to who? It goes back to Tom Barnett. People like Tom Barnett, the PNAC document. Mm-hmm. Um, I was provided uh, information about uh, Barnett and what he had said before the 9/11 attacks. We need a new Pearl uh, Harbor to get us in. That's what the that's what the PNAC document said. And don't think oh, yeah. don't forget about North Korea. I'm hearing some things uh, unconfirmed that there could be a preemptive strike in North Korea before the week's end, before even tomorrow's over. Don't know how accurate that is. Don't know why a preemptive strike would be needed. But if we do see something in North Korea as far as the U.S. Uh, in some kind of preemptive strike, and even China threatened to bomb North Korea's nuclear facilities today. What's China which, do with that? Which is really interesting. But I would, if we do see some kind of preemptive strike in North Korea, keep your eyes on Syria, because I think that's really when 
um, you know, you know, the bait and switch. You know, they want us looking one way or in one direction. Well, they do something in the. I'm other glad direction. you said that because I do believe that for all of the clamor that North Korea is responsible for. I believe that the real issue, and I'm glad you said that, is Syria. And uh, Iran. Syria, Iran, North Korea, those are the three. But right. we see the most um, uh, coverage on North Korea and Syria. But really, North Korea, for you know, just a lot of rhetoric from the Kim Jong-un, you know, continuing you know, every day saying he's going to nuke an American city, um, it's getting more coverage almost than the Syria uh, issue, which is surprising to me. And tells me that there's a lot more in store uh, with North Korea in the near future than than what is being led on uh, right now. It, it amazes me to see the the conservatives who um, refuse, absolutely refuse to to hold Donald Trump to account for his actions. Now, I I can no, understand cheering him on. Well, right, except for you know people like Rand Paul. Uh, and there was a Democratic congresswoman who opposed Trump's actions, and in, in the Tulsi Gabbard, and, and the, the yeah. other members of the of her uh, constituency were trying right. to to get her out because she opposed. Uh, oh yeah, they're after her in, in a big way. <laughs> I mean, these people love the war. <laughs> Why? They, they they do. They cry humanitarianisms, and oh, you know, we have to save the children, and the violence has to end. We need peace, you know. And then they turn around and and vote and and pray for war. Well. It- Right, right. And Clinton, Hillary Clinton spoke out there, in case you didn't hear her. They're not going away saying, you know, uh, all of the Syrian refugees, you can't bomb Syria and then not take the refugees. Well, what comes first in looking at this? And who caused, really, the civil war that began in Syria in March? Who really ignited that fuse? In what set of circumstances? You know, history will is being perverted to mischaracterize what happened in Syria. The Western intelligence, in, in, in as much, and I don't look. You just call it the the way the evidence is. It was the United States and Israel and France, some other Western nations, and France and Great Britain and. But the Saudi agenda, using U.S. and Israel as the uh, warmongers or the the actual doers of the Saudi agenda, the the the, the, the instruments of, of attack, or the instruments to, to, to set the entire Middle East on on fire. This is really the Saudi agenda, the Saudi Arabia agenda. So that, again, as I said before, that bow to the king of Saudi Arabia was a deep bow, and I'm not, sh- I'm not so sure. I mean, he's showing his, you know what, to the, to the United States, Obama. Um, I'm not so sure how how deep that bow went. And you know, I'll just leave it at that. But but um, the everything we're seeing here is drawing to a, in my view, a a, a certain conclusion we're being pushed toward war world war and some people say well shame on you for even talking about it because it's unavoidable well because it's prophetic i'm a christian it's and and i shouldn't be talking about it because it's in the prophecy it's in the bible it's a prophecy you can't change prophecy so shut up uh wait a second (laughs) You might not be able to change prophecy, and I certainly wouldn't want to, nor do I think I would have that power. However, 
You know, through exposure, through intervention, intercession, prayer, whatever, if you can delay it, if you can delay that, if you can delay the circumstances that would lead to a world war where, where you'd have more time to convert people to, to the truth, to the real truth, shouldn't that be your objective if you're a Christian? Instead of bitching about something else, shouldn't that be your objective? Winning, getting more time so you can win more people to God to save more souls? Isn't, shouldn't that be your objective? Again, instead of bitching saying, well, you can't change prophecy, so shut up about it. I'm just asking. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a minister. I don't know. I'm just saying that, you know, if we can expose these demonic activities for what they are, and in so doing, lead more to be saved for the kingdom, isn't that what we're appointed to do? And you know what? We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. It's not Donald Trump right or wrong, and it's not America right or wrong. It's not any of that. It's only what's right. It's only what's true. It's right only. It's goody, good only. And we ain't stopping. And I'm proud to be a part of our group. John Robertson and Eric and Joe and Jackie and JD and everybody. And Global Star and BTR. And proud to be a part of a group that uh, is heading in that direction. God bless. 